my first music that I kind of I I remember is um, Oasis. Um, being in the car, like it was the nineties and it was England, so it was like Oasis was just everywhere. Um, but it wasn't until I was like ten, and then I never really got the whole thing. And then I got into music through like Michael Jackson. Me and my friend were obsessed with Michael Jackson. And then you know, my first album was bad. And then I bought, and then my friend, who I've known since I was like born, was a really big Green Day fan. And he was like, you gotta to listen to this band. And it was like around like the warning time, just before American Idiot came out kind of thing. And um, so I was around his house and I remember seeing the video, music video for Minority. And I literally, just, I can remember it clear as day in my head. And I was like, that's what I wanna do. So then me and him started a band and it was very punky kind of thing. Like, you know, lots of Green Day influences. But then I was like, I'd watched, like, I'd learned how to play guitar from just what I'd download all these videos and then playing live and just copy, like, the whole power chord thing. And then, um, so I just did that and just watched every interview I could, and they'd mention these bands like the Ramones and, like, Huskadoo and stuff like that. So then I listened to that. And I literally was just having this conversation with someone earlier, like, the age of 12 to 15, that was, like, the only thing I really listened to. And then, my dad was always playing the Beatles and stuff like that on the way to school and uh, Dire Straits and uh, my mum would still play Oasis around the house but I always just like didn't want to listen to like my parents music and then mum was like you've got to you know you've got to listen to this album so I went out and bought Definitely Maybe and watched the Story Morning Glory by Oasis and I remember putting Definitely Maybe on and it was like the sound in my head that I wanted to hear like my whole life really this is like 15, I was 15 at the time. That's what I, it was like, that was the music that I've been waiting for kind of thing. And then from that, I then started listening to like Slade and stuff like that. And then my mum was like a 70s, like she had all the glam, the whole glam movement stuff. So she was like, oh, you got to listen to bands like Mott the Hoople and um, T-Rex. And at that time it was like, you know, I was 15, 16, 17. My band kind of wanted to go more like pop punky, like, I mean, I wrote the songs in the band, but my drummer was writing as well, and he wanted to do um, more pop punk, like All Time Low, and I kind of moved away from that and gone more into the past, and that's when I met Luke, so then we kind of just, they went to uni and me and Luke started our own thing. I knew what keys, I started to like figure out what keys was from just learning like songs and stuff like that, and writing my own songs. Um, but I just play power chords. So only when I was like met Luke and we'd go to these jam nights with my cousin, and I'd start learning like the stone these Stones covers, and we'd learn like you know Johnny Be Good and All Right Now and uh, fucking rock and roll Led Zeppelin and stuff like that. We'd start. And we had another guitar player, so I'd just learn so much of him. Um, so yeah, and then I started developing more of my own thing, and then just. The more songs I was writing with Luke, the more I wanted to make it more interesting. And um, this guitar in particular was being the Green Day fan I was, like the Junior and stuff, and a huge Keith Richards fan as well. And um, I just love something. I think something about Les Paul Junior, which is just really cool. It's just one pickup, and it's just nasty sounding. And I don't know, it's it's just simple, which I like.
Um, so when I, I remember saying, when I was like a kid, I was like, when I um, finally get a, re a good record deal or something like that, and I finally get some money to buy a vintage, I mean, this is, I bought this last year, which is 1958, with Paul Jr. We were both talking to the same manager at the time. I met the manager when I was like 14, and um, I'd write songs and send them to him. And then when everyone was going to uni, well, they were planning on anyway. I said, "Shit, like I need a." I was singing at the time in the band, and like, I'm okay, but I'm not Luke. <laughs> so I asked the manager, I said, "Do you know anyone?" Um, he said, "I just found this guy on MySpace. He's a singer, and you know, why don't you try to try like meeting up and see if you know what happens?" So he came up to where I live. He was like three hours south of me, and just started writing, and it just clicked, and we just. We you know spent, you know, one week I'd be at mine, one week week I'd be at his house down south, and we didn't have jobs or anything like that because we just kept doing this. So we just play at the local pubs, just me and him, for some money, and we'd write songs, then go play these songs in like the open mic nights in our in the village I lived in because there's loads of music stuff going on. Our management basically they had like lots of contacts. So they just started shopping us round to labels, and like we'd go into these. Uh, like offices, just the two of us, me and a guitar and Luke, and we'd sing these songs, and um, that was it. And then we ended up getting a deal, and we were like, shit, we need a band. And then put some feelers out, like we need a, we're looking for a drummer and a bass player, and we had a drummer and bass player join. They were with us for a year, and then the record label decided to basically say, kick them out or we'll drop you. And we were like, fuck, and then did that, <laughs> which was horrible. Um, Retrospect, I think it was the right idea, um, but it was it was just I couldn't believe it was such a music industry cliche, mm. like that kind of shit. You don't think it would actually happen, but it does. <laughs> so we did that, and then um, we found the other guys through like friends of friends, and did a little audition thing, and then before we knew it, we all lived together in Derby and started touring. We did a festival in France. It was like our first big festival. It was like full of like about like five or six thousand people and that was like amazing we were like back then we would just drink all the time as well so we were pretty drunk but um um but we all just loved it it was amazing and then next day or two days later we had a gig in leicester in england which isn't far from where i'm from in the east midlands and um we literally played to the sound man and my cousin so it was just like a drastic switch from doing that big gig and we're like, oh right, yeah, still nothing's changed back in England then. And really, we didn't really have any success in England. You know, we got messed around by our record label and for many years, the band for me only really started when we came to America because it was actually, you know, we were free from the label we were on and now we were on Interscope and we released the album over here and actually touring decent gigs. Um, UK's still, slowly catching up but yeah anyway um the gig that changed everything was the first rolling stones gig we managed to get that in paris and we went over there and opened up for them in the start of france which was insane in front of like eighty thousand people but and it was from that gig that i i contacted someone over here for asking for about a youtube guitar teacher from la i messed completely randomly messaged and like do you know it? i know you don't know me but we're kind of at a wits end and we haven't got a manager anymore and you know do you know anyone and because my photo was me on stage at the stadium 
was like, oh, who's this guy? And so he actually kind of took contact with me, and he was like, oh, yeah, well, the, you know, I know a guy who is a guy, and then... If I hadn't sent that message, I probably wouldn't have been here, so it's a weird how it works, but... So that gig changed everything, really. We were getting a buzz over there in France anyway, because in the UK it still wasn't happening, but we had radio play in France, so we'd go over there in, like, a shitty transit van and tour up and down France to do pretty good gigs, like, you know, 200, 300, 500 people would be there, you know, 600 something like Paris and that. So that was wicked. And that's what kept us going really, because other than that, like, you know, our album hadn't come out at that point. It was just really tough times, but, um, so we had that and I think the name was circling around and we had a friend of a friend and said, well, this band, you know, they're up and coming, young, rock and roll, you know, we love the Stones. Queen, we could put on a show, and that's how I think we got it. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> Very thankful for whoever got it for us. Mm -hmm.